0: Brandon Davis, Swan Energy. Imran Khan,
1: Swan Energy. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us this week on Mining Money, a place where we like to find pockets of positivity out in the marketplace and past success stories, of course, that help us navigate through the times of uncertainty like many people are feeling right now. So we've got Brandon Davis and Imran Khan with a Swan Energy. A couple gentlemen that know the investments in and out because they've been there done that and that means the good the bad the ugly the ups and the downs because it's hard to have the ups without the downs in today's world and so the two gentlemen Brandon Davis and Imran Khan thank you for joining the program today mining money how you doing
2: doing great thanks for asking Jason thank you doing for jo- pretty well myself
1: well, thank you for joining us. Say last week when we talked, you guys mentioned your staff a couple times about the the importance of kind of having a good quality staff and some workers and 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 really some people to fill in the gaps that sort of thing. Well, for me, that was felt this week because I had to do some IT work at three in the morning on my website, and that really <laughs> that really got me thinking. Boy, it is really important to have you know, a good staff in a a deep, diverse, or that sort of, you know, a bench, if you will, and baseball, and a good second-string quarterback to go, that sort of thing. So I thought, you know what, let's talk about your team a little bit to start this off. So talk about Swan Energy, what you guys have going over there, and why you guys are able to, you know, do such great investments.
0: For every great investment, there's a bad investment, So it goes both ways, Um, but our staff here, we we manage about 50, uh, partnerships. Um, and then on top of that, we manage five companies, and each company has its own website, just to uh, put it in perspective for you. So we have 500% more problems than you do on just the website front. Um, but yeah, it's it takes, a, it takes a good staff, and it's not necessarily a large staff. It's just a very competent, aggressive, hardworking staff. And I I've had it in the past where, where I've had as many as 200 employees. Right now I have um, in, in the office under under 20, which we actually get more done than we used to get done with 50 people in the office. So uh, we've got great people and that's not always been the case because it, as the company grew, it changed and I had to change the people to keep up with the changing company. And that happens uh, to all companies that, that are in business for uh, 10, 12, 15 years and uh, grow and constantly are growing and, and I guess in the business world you're either growing or you're shrinking and I've done a little bit of both uh, right now we're on a growth plan and uh, we have we have petroleum engineers plural on staff um, geologists we use uh, on on day rates because it's just there's not enough geology in most of the projects we have that really matters because most of it's engineering uh, we have a, a, a probably a half a dozen consulting engineers that we work with, depending on what projects we're doing and where they are and, uh, land, a land man. Uh, and then of course there's the whole team of land people that are out there if we need them to put them to work on a project. And and we've done that too. At one point, our land department was 30 people. So, um, not that that's big, but <clears throat> it's not tiny either. I mean, we, we were making a lot happen, spending, um, spending a lot of money on it and, and making, making good money with it. So, those things go and come, and it just depends on the market and what's going on. Right now, the opportunities are in acquisitions of existing wells. Right now, that's where the, the money's at because you're buying it at almost, well, I'd say it's historic, historic uncertainty from the oil and gas side over the last six, eight months, and we're able to pick up wells for fractions of what the, the work cost on them to get to the point we're buying them, and so that's that's one thing we're looking really hard at, gas and oil, um, and we've made some acquisitions and we're moving on some work on them, but there's, there's a lot of that out there right now. And um, hopefully by the end of
2: the year, we can buy some more. I love how, how Brandon uh, brings in and, and, and talks about the positives, but then the first thing he does is talks about the negatives. And I think it's you know it, it, it's really good to be able to hear that. Um, you know, the, 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 the aspect of the, the different sizes of the companies over the years is, is really critical, right? um knowing when to pivot is uh is a very important part of business and you know being around for so long i think that's that's very that that's been done well right um and and what what he was talking about earlier there's there's investments that are made no matter what there's you know positives negatives that that happen um in general you know if you've got a company that only has positive investments there's something going on over there that that you know uh, that You know, I don't know. It's questionable is what I'm saying. Um, A lot of our deals that that we do, um, you know, we're we're drilling wells. So, you you know, you you do – the reason why we have all these engineers on staff um, and the the reason why we have folks that are out there looking for deals is for that purpose, right? You can't just find – even though the market's available out there, you know, most of the deals that are out there are not like, you know, kind of like in real estate you have um, the MLS and things, right? In, in oil and gas, you have different clearinghouses and things, but most of what we're looking at are items that are off-market deals, right? And the way that we do that is through our landmen. Um, we've got different folks that are out there looking at and talking with different companies and ga- gauging an, an interest on, hey, are you guys interested in, you know, offloading? x part of your 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 wells or hey you guys have this good land over here um would you like to partner to be able to do some some drilling over there with us right so we're always looking for different projects and you know being involved in and pivoting at the right time with the company is very important and i think uh you know i think brandon hit the nail on the head with the the talking about the negatives and the positives with with how you do business perspective on that I drilled
0: 50 wells with an operator. And of those 50, uh, 48 of them came in at or under budget. Two of them were over budget, significantly over budget, but it's pretty good percentage over, overall. And, and I was very confident in the ability of the company. Um, <clears throat> the next four wells we drilled, which uh, we owned 80% ownership, plus or minus a, a half of maybe a fraction of a point in, um, We're all for 400 percent over budget, and um, was probably the most painful, disastrous, bad deal I've ever done. And it was amplified because of how much it cost. Um, So you know, it's there. There are there are good opportunities and bad opportunities. And and the point I'm trying to make is, if in this business, people always want to know what you did in the past, and and that's great. But the reality is this. Every project we put together, and it's the same with most companies, um, has its own own merits and its own warrants. Nothing that's happened prior has anything to do with this project. If everything that had been done before, I I used to say it like this. If I had 99 successful wells and I'm drilling number 100, those 99 successes mean nothing. If I have 99 dry holes and I'm drilling number 100, which I don't know how anyone would survive to do that, but let's just say you did. Number 100 could be the biggest well ever. It's not necessarily going to be a dry hole. It doesn't mean anything. And, and I think a lot of people try to hang on to their, their track record, and but that track record doesn't mean shit. It's the oil and gas business. There is no certainty, period, and there's always a lot of risk. So you can't, you can't live and die based on what you've done. Um, I know a lot of people do, but I, I just say that if you look across the board, the people who everyone said was so consistent and always ne- wins they usually turn out to be crooks and that's just the facts. So um, it's just, its just not reality.
1: I wrote down uh, uh, negatives exist, but they shouldn't paralyze your investments and momentum because, you know, you guys have got a lot of passion behind what you do because you've got skin in the game and, That's one thing, in my opinion, that's one of the reasons that you're on this program is that separates you from the rest is you guys have skin in the game. So you're not just reading something off a computer screen. Yeah, you might get the computer screen reports, but you guys are also getting the vibe and the energy and the boots on the ground reports and and, and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, talk to me a little bit about that passion, that skin in the game and the importance behind that and how that does and I guess, does it separate you know you from an average average person? I think it does.
0: I, I don't know what that, I, you know, I, I have so many things going on with myself. It's a rare opportunity that I have the ability, just from a cash flow perspective, to do deals with other people because I have so much money sunk into mine. Um, but uh, from from our, our standpoint, if, if someone sees a project from us, it's because we bought it. It's not because we want to buy it. Um, or we're thinking about buying it, or we want them to buy it, it's because we bought it, we put some time in it, we may have put a bunch of money into it, depending on the circumstance, and now we've got it to a point we're comfortable showing it to other people. The project that we're selling right now, for example, we bought six months ago um, and just got to the point where we were ready to show people the project. Um, the other ones that we're working on right now are 10-year-old projects um, that are just now to the point they're ready to bring in investors. And uh, it's with a group we've worked, we've never worked with before, and they have so much time and energy into it. And we've been working with them for four months to get the deal put together. And so that, that's how we function. You know, if we're going to do something, we're going to do it, whether we raise money or not. And, and so that's, that's how we operate. All we're trying to do is make it where we can spread our money out further by bringing in investors versus just, Bringing all—it's all, all investors. So it's just a different—it's a different way of looking at it. At one point in 2013, 2014, um, we were we were probably keeping 60% of our projects, uh, and and only selling off about 40. And that was because we had built up our cash flow and we we're just using it all to drill more. And that's um, that's how it kind of panned out. It was just a matter of how many proposals we got to drill and and what we drilled. So uh, it's just. There's so many different ways to, to skin a cat, if you will. And, and and as far as how deals are structured and who does what, I don't know. I don't care. I know what we do. I like what we do. I feel good about what we do. And that's really what keeps me coming to the office every day.
1: I'm curious about your projects that you've named. I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of confidentiality and a lot of disclosure agreements, that sort of thing. But Let's role play for a second. Pretend I'm, you know, somebody who could potentially invest in one of your projects and maybe we're, you know, having a highball at, at the, at the you know, the hotel lounge and that sort of thing, you know. So, so it's a real shallow surface type of, a, you know, type of a description because, like I said, I know there's a lot of confidentiality involved in things, but talk to me like I'm a potential investor in, in, with, with one of your projects. What type of, uh, you know, expectations I'm sorry, Jason. you Jason.
0: I can't talk to you if you're drinking. <laughs> my, my moral compass will not allow me to try to sell you something while you're drinking. I just can't do it.
1: You surpassed uh, the sorry. SEC test. Yes. We've
0: been <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never done that either. And, and, and I and I hear about all these people taking people to, the, the, to get drinks all the time and closing deals. I mean, that sounds dangerous to me. Um, so I well,
1: I actually, I, I knew a guy that tried to get out of a deal because he had four bourbons. So it's 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 a thing. It is, is a thing. It, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. It's it is. <laughs> it's just no thanks. Um, you know, it, it, the the first thing that we do when we talk to people is we find out if they're qualified to participate with us, and then that is um, that's crucial because if they're not, we won't even show them what we have. I mean, it's it's that confidential. Um, we don't want anyone looking at it that can't participate in it. Um, the uh, the next thing is just the, the the downside and the upside of the project, and we start with the downside and try to make sure the people that we're talking to understand that downside, um, which in most cases is you you invest a, a, a million dollars, you could lose a million dollars. That's the way the the, the way the risk works in oil and gas. Um, and then from that point, we we attempt to, to 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 show someone the reason that we bought into it and. And what excites us, and if that excites them, and they want to do it, great. If they don't, they don't. Um, that's generally the way it goes. And you know, th- this is not a—it's not a new process. <laughs> it's the same one that's been around for a hundred years.
2: As far as just, here's why we bought this. Here's why we're excited about it. What do you want to do? And the market is such right now that you know, we—we we, when you're finding these deals, they're really great. And and I, I in terms of. And I say that from our own perspective, not you know, not an outside perspective, but it, it, the opportunities that are available are really great. And if you can be able to bring in partners to partner with you, you know, rather than us doing, say, two three projects, because of the deal flow that's out there currently, we can do ten fifteen projects, right? And that's kind of you know the idea that that we've got going into it, right? And and the skin in the game aspect of things that you were talking about earlier. Honestly, managing the, the what people call it OPM, right? Other people's money. I hate that idea. I hate it. But it's at the same time, it's kind of like if you want to be able to grow and you want to be able to get to a certain point, it just it's a no brainer to be able to get them in, especially after we've gone through and, and we've provided our money into the actual deals because we felt that we felt that strongly about it. Right. So that's kind of, you know, it, it's it, it is risky, but we're in it. We're in it. To win it and it might not happen but you know we're going to do everything we can on our side to, to try to do the best of it yeah you know, i i
0: have bought i have made acquisitions that i didn't turn around and put in front of people because after further due diligence after our acquisition we determined that it just it wasn't suitable for for us or or anyone else as far as we were concerned um and that happens sometimes too i mean that's that's part of the deal and we spent a lot of time, I, I can tell you that today with prices where they are, we spend a lot less time looking at bad deals than we used to. Um, when prices are up, a lot of things look good that aren't. And when prices are down, things that aren't good don't look good. And the You're things honest. that things that look okay are probably really good. And that's you know what we're looking at right now. It's just a different market. And I, it's kind of exciting. I'm, uh, momentum has definitely picked up here in the last 30 days. And I think the next 90 days are going to be real fun.
1: Let's talk about the next 90 days. What do you foresee, I guess? What should people take a look at? What are what's some of the tea leaves, if you will, that some people should keep an eye on?
0: Well, for for here, and this isn't the same in everywhere, every state, but here, all the kids are going to go back to school September eight. And you're talking Texas. So I'm talking Texas and most of the country. I don't yeah. think it's happening everywhere, but most places I believe it is. And um, that is going to bring back... A little bit more normalcy to people's lives and i think that's exciting i think there's going to be a lot of energy in the business world in every aspect of the business world because people are going to have to get back into into the grind and i think that's starting that it's going to start happening in september and october and i think by the end of the year our economy in general is going to just be going like full bore like it was in february uh which excites me because that gets everybody moving and things happening. And for us, that's exciting because people are able to make decisions and do things, and maybe they're getting paid rent that they weren't getting the last six months, um, and, and 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 they're leasing properties that were abandoned, and things start happening like that, that that free up capital, which allows people to buy into our deals. I mean, that's the that's the way that the, the world goes around. Like uh, you know, all the money doesn't come from one spigot. Unfortunately, for the Democrats. Um, yeah, it's the truth. No, it's not. The government doesn't pay for shit. All they did is help us survive. I mean, I don't want to survive. I want to thrive. And I think that's what most people want. So we're going to go thrive. And I think the whole economy is getting ready to just light up when it's people go back, kids go back to school and parents can actually breathe a little. Now, I've talked to people who are high executives in, in big companies that have children that have literally had to basically they're putting in 20 hour days to get their work done and take care of their kids because of the interruptions. And if they go to the office, they can do that same work in six hours. You know, it's just, everyone's tired and they're tired from not being in their damn office. Having to do three jobs because uh, the government decided to shut everything down. It just makes me crazy. Anyway, so screw the negative stuff, move it off. It's exciting because things are about to get way more normal in the next 90 days. That's what I'm talking about. We have a lot of exciting stuff going on here internally, but um, we don't need to get into that on
1: here. No, but if somebody wants to know, they can certainly contact you guys to find out more information about some of the deals that you guys have going at Swan Energy, some ways to invest in, into oil and gas, I guess, into, into the industry, be part of the industry. And I did want to ask you if uh, you guys are still doing some of those uh, 401K type, uh, well-sharing programs that, uh, we were talking about several months ago.
2: That, that's always, uh, that, that's an opportunity that's always available if someone wants to be able to roll over their 401k, but in general, you know, most people are doing it right off of their regular incomes, right? Because a lot of, if, if you're, yeah, exactly. But you, there
0: are people that do, I mean, it's just a, it's just a private placement process of a 401k or an IRA. It's non-qualified funds. I mean, you can do that for most things, um, I wouldn't say we have a pr- particular program for it, but it's it's something that a lot of people do um, when right now and mainly because you can take money out of your 401k without paying anything, I, which, you know, again, not my business. People do what they do. I personally prefer to do deals with cash because you get the tax benefit, which makes a lot of the risk. It lowers the risk. I mean, that's that's how it works in oil and gas. So um, that's where I got yeah, the
1: confusion I, it's, that it's a it's a there's some tax advantages there but it's uh, it's not necessarily a program as much as it is an option
2: Something yeah there's,
0: there's that opportunity that there's that option too yes but you know if someone invests a quarter million dollars for example um and they do it with cash they're gonna save uh, somewhere between 50 and 80 thousand dollars in in taxes um which is significant so Um, And that varies from person to person, state to state, as far as what that is. And everyone should always talk to their their CPA, their accountant about it. But at the end of the day, it's a pretty big tax savings in the the year the investment's made. And that's the reason most people want to do it with with cash versus uh, qualified funds. But you can't. And uh, that's that's not my decision, not my choice. It's just we put the options on the table and people do what they do.
1: Well, Imran, you've been kind of quiet today, and Brandon, you were pretty upfront. You don't like to live in the past. You like to live in the present and strive for the future, so I feel embarrassed asking this question, but we did get an email in, and if anybody wants to email us, they certainly can, uh, jason at com, or you know what, we should probably just set up mining money at com. That way we can push it on social media, now that I'm kind of thinking out loud here as we're... Have this weekly segment, Mining Money, here with Swan Energy. We've got Brandon Davis with us and Imran Khan. And we got this email in, just somebody, they enjoyed our uh, interview last week and they were kind of wondering about your guys' first deal or one of your first deals. How, you know, just just if you wouldn't mind talking about it a little bit, just uh, maybe not get too far in depth. But they just wondered about, you know, how old were you and what was it? And, you know, that sort of thing. Just some. (laughs) Just some basics, you know, because there's a lot of people out there in the oil and gas industry that really do want to invest right now. They really do. But they're not used to the amount of uncertainty out there. They're used to uncertainty in the oil and gas industry, but they're not used to the uncertainty of, you know, the schools and the universities and some of the other things happening and that sort of thing. So there's just a few things out there. So. Uh, I don't know if you guys have a few minutes to maybe talk a little bit about either an early investment or something like that, just to kind of uh, you know share a little bit of those stories for some people out there so they can relate or kind of get motivated Absolutely. to get out there and kick some ass in the. Mo- like I tell people, they just printed seven trillion dollars. Go get it, man. Go get it.
0: My first deal that I that I remember was when I was ten years old, huh. and I was visiting. I was visiting my cousin in Farmington, New Mexico, and one day uh, my aunt took us to a hobby shop and we saw one of those rockets that you shoot up in the sky that we wanted. I can't remember how much it cost, a couple hundred bucks, maybe. And so we went back to uh, my uncle's car dealership after this and talked about it for a minute and decided that what we were going to do was go wash windows on cars at the restaurant next door and make enough money to buy the rocket, which we did, except we got the rocket the day I got on the airplane to go home. So so I never got to play with it, but we did accomplish the mission, which it was very, uh, it it felt really good. It was uh, was the first time that like there was collaboration, had to put together money to go do something and a joint effort. It was, it was quite exciting.
1: That's Um, funny.
0: yeah, that was my first
1: business. You're like the project you know, that, manager uh, that flew into town and didn't get to see the actual event <laughs> in its fruition, but you're a part of everything <laughs> else.
0: The behind it, <laughs> but right. my cousin told me the rocket was really cool. So,
1: <laughs> how about you, Imran? You've you've been you've had your fingers in a few pies. So, which uh, you know, if, if, is there an early uh, story that you care to share? I
2: think uh, well, last last time I mentioned that you know the, the first business that I did, I got audited. Um, it was, uh, (laughs) basically I I was very much into cars, a lot of import cars, you know, back in, back in the day, I was probably about 16 and, um, I started this company called import power. And that was like my, you know, like I, this was before all these import shops and all these different things popped up in the nineties. And, um, you know, I, I would buy different parts and I you know I set up this whole website because that was part of what was going on back then and you know started selling parts online while I was still in high school and the first year that I did it I wrote off a little bit too much <laughs> more than I should have and uh, I got audited and I, it just was it was just a funny uh, funny story but I learned from it quite a bit so it was you know it was fun times
1: that's funny when I, well,
2: when I stepped out
0: when I started my my oil company the first project I did was in mississippi and we started the work about a week before katrina hit oh shit and didn't it took six months to finish what should have taken two uh, two weeks because of the hurricane and it ended up being a failure and it was the it was painful because of how long it drug out because of the hurricane so um it made it like five times worse than it would have been if it had just gotten done the next week and uh that was my first endeavor on my own in the oil business and it didn't turn out um and cost three times more than it should because of the time it took um but that's you know that's you learn the hard way right you learn by failing it's not a matter of how often someone wins it's how often someone gets their ass kicked and then gets back up and goes again and that's um my first three deals were like that it was just one thing after the other that went wrong um and then we finally got our feet under us and went, and it's been pretty good since. But you no, know, it's it's going to only get better in the future because I actually do learn from my mistakes, and I think that most people do that. Yeah, experience uh, pays for it sure. It does. It's expensive though. Very
2: expensive. It,
1: it is, and you know, and it is relative. You know, it's relative. And you guys were talking about some of your, you know, early on days, and you got me thinking of back when I was ten years old and I was a paper boy. And I needed, you know, I needed more money than what the paper route did. And back then we had to go door to door to collect and everybody's wife had the checkbook. So here I am, a 10 year old kid carrying these people month to month on on their papers, you know, because back then nobody paid the newspaper. You had to go collect it. It was a different deal. The newspaper actually sent you a bill. So as a 10 year old, you're a 1099 employee of the newspaper back then. And anyway, so I, you know, like like a young entrepreneur, I decided to, cause I had access to a photocopy machine. So I wrote up a nice flyer that, you know, I even drew like uh, traced a couple pictures. Of, I think Charlie Brown mowing the lawn <laughs> and That's I, awesome. yeah. And I'm like, mow your lawn, you know? And I started with the, the, this is no kidding. The first one I did was eight and a half by 11. Okay. And then I was so stupid. I printed, you know, a hundred of them and I put them in every paper and then I dropped them in 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 the places well then eventually I'm like you know what why don't I just do half pages save my costs all this other stuff and time and and then I went to half page well then I got smart enough and this was over the course of several months keep in mind because you're just so busy and you're caught up in your own stuff and sometimes you need that team like you have and sometimes you need a little bit more resource and And that sort of thing, you know, what do they call it? See the forest from the trees, I think is the saying. But eventually what I did is I realized I'm just going to carry with a half a dozen of these flyers and the lawns that need to be mowed, I'm going to put it in their their newspaper on that day. So I went from (laughs) like 200 flyers down to six. And I just remember thinking going, God, I got to remember that through business. And I don't think I ever learned that lesson. I just keep relearning that lesson. But anyway, so.
0: <laughs> well, you saying that just reminded me, though, whenever I was in junior high and high school, I was the on the poor end of, of, of the, the people that I played sports with. And I had a really cool basketball coach. His name was Ray West. He passed away last year. Uh, but he was super cool. And he would pay for me to go to these things, these events. Um, but I had to work it off by rolling the newspapers on Saturday night for Sunday morning, the Sunday
2: news. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I spent a lot of nights
0: rolling newspapers um, until three or four in the morning to work off all the things that he paid for for me, which was really, really cool of him to do. And so I got my feel from newspapers from that. I never had to deliver one because by the time I was finished rolling them, I was so tired. There wasn't a chance I was doing anything but making it home.
1: Oh, and I'll tell you what, man, just to just to let you know my beef on that story, halfway through my professional career as a newspaper carrier, we had to start carrying them and stuffing them on the fly. So they stopped. they, They stopped coming. The Sunday papers stopped coming inserted. We would get the paper.
0: Right. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what we were. We were rolling Sunday papers and those things are thick. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: well, you guys were one of the first ones they laid off. And then so what they did is they passed that on to the newspaper boys. So what we would do is we get a stack of Sunday papers and then a stack of ads. And we had to insert them that morning. (laughs) So, gee, I mean, they've just kept (laughs)
0: what we did and enrolled them.
1: Right, I know. That was a great job for, for a long time, much like, you know, headline writers oh. and that sort of thing. It's, uh, it's, um, anyway, it's, it's hey, the ev- evolution you, you of the reminded me
2: of a You reminded me of a story on the, on the lawn mowing part. So the first lawn that I mowed was my neighbor's, I remember. And like halfway through mowing the lawn, the lawnmower broke down. <laughs> oh, no. And all, all I wanted was $5 to be able to go buy some baseball cards, you know.
0: Spend on fixing a lot
2: more. Uh, oh, I, I had to go get, get some guy across the street and he helped me fix it, but uh, <laughs> it was like such a long process and I was like in the middle of it, I was just like, oh no, what am I going to do? How am going to tell this lady who already paid me that I only mowed half of her lawn, oh. you know?
1: And you got the money but. up front. Oh. oh man equipment breaks down money up front i tell you what there's a lot of truckers right now just sweating bullets it's just too much ptsd (laughs) (laughs) anyway so well that's good by the way if anybody wants to we'll go ahead and do that mining money at the crude if anybody has any questions for Swan Energy, Brandon Davis, Imran Khan, and occasionally Jeremy Pate joins us as well. So if you got a question about how to make some money, where the pockets of positivity are out there in the marketplace, or even if you want to swap some old uh, war stories, because my goodness, it sounds like we've all been entrepreneurs since we were single digits. I mean, it's... Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, like you guys have said before, your our past interviews, some, you know, you're just born with it. And it's just, you just, you know, that's the way you approach life as, as an entrepreneur. So if nothing else, you, I you mean, put, go ahead. You putting that
0: uh, picture of that race car with Swan Energy on the side of it gave me a little bit of uh, anxiety, by the way, when I kept seeing the post on LinkedIn, I'm like, what is he doing? Oh, that was... Oh my gosh! It's was- exciting. It was fun, but oh, it was
1: so expensive. Oh, did, did, did <laughs> Was was that an expensive hobby? Did that turn into? No, the-
0: it was a business. It was not a hobby, <laughs> uh, but yes, it was extremely expensive. The yes, <laughs>
1: extremely expensive. Oh, uh, I, but- I would
0: never suggest anyone do it ever. <laughs> I'm Just saying. No owning race teams. No check. race cars, unless unless you're one hundred percent hobby, and that's a different ballgame. Yeah, that's it is different.
1: Well, you know, somebody like Joe Gibbs made it look so easy. I mean, he left football for it. So, I mean, hey. Yeah,
0: if he he had big money behind him. And oh, it's yeah. the same big money that was behind the Redskins. And I didn't. So, Well,
1: isn't that isn't wasn't. that kind of the bottom line, <laughs> though, in NASCAR? Is is, is is Seriously, you need some big money in NASCAR. You do.
0: Oh, do you? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's a way better now, though, because... You know, when I was doing it, we had a lease that we leased engines for each race and it was like six figures for each race for an engine. And now they're using engines for like four races um, and oh, then being kidding. able to rebuild. The, no. And now with the after COVID, the new procedure, like they show up in race. There's no practice. We used to have four days that we'd have to travel hotels for 40 or 50 people, um, airline tickets for 40 or 50 people, which the NASCAR has private charters. But it was still expensive. Um, And you start. So now they go to the track and race on a day and and that's it for the most part, which I I guess if that would have happened, you you could probably almost pay for it now with the purse money, which before was just a fraction of the budget. So um, it's way better than it was. And I'm actually really pleased to see it move in the direction it did, because where it was, there was no way anyone could come in and ever succeed. So it's kind of neat to see.
1: You know, you bring up a good point, though. Sometimes the sexy, fun. You know, the ones that you can brag about at the dinner parties. investments aren't always the best. You know, you're you, you, you paying an arm and a leg for some good stories at the time because I remember when logistics was making all kinds of money, these guys that were investing in logistics were, I mean, people were falling asleep halfway through the sentence, but they were making money hand over fist because it was it was the thing to do. And I kind of look at, seriously, I kind of look at the oil and gas industry like that right now, you know, where... It's it is so primed right now with the way natural gas prices are, the way oil prices are. Last week you mentioned the international investments are starting to leave the the shale play USA, which is a great sign. Um, so let's just kind of conclude a little bit about some some opportunities or some just some positivity out there in the oil and gas investment world. So. Uh, talk to me about how people can contact you and just kind of a conclusion about, you know, right now investing in oil and gas.
0: Well, if anyone wants to reach out to us, they can go to Swan Energy Inc. It's swanenergyinc.com and uh, at contact us. It has our contact information in there. Um, and you can also fill out information if you'd like to see what we're working on. You can go there. Um, as far as hot things in the market, I, there's there's a lot. Uh, We've looked at some opportunities. We passed on some we should have taken. We've uh, taken a few, and and there's there's going to be more coming. And um, I think just everyone needs to keep their eyes open and head on a swivel and and see what's out there because there there are a lot of great opportunities right now.
1: Imran, anything?
2: No, I I think I think he's right about that. Uh, the, The biggest thing is just kind of following. If you just look at. Where, where oil's gone and and uh, the fact that it's it's touched the bottom and, and moving back up in the right direction the stabilization is the main thing right and I think the the fact that in the last six months it's been very unstable the volatility has been so high it, it, it is why the prices are where they're at and that's really what's causing all the opportunities right now um, and I think in the next probably by the end of the year we'll have even more uh, that are going to get better and better so that's that's kind of what we're what we're looking forward to right now